0: All right, everyone, welcome to the Barca Blood Grand S podcast. My name is Josh. I am joined by uh, Manchester City enjoyer, uh, Barca hat wearer, Nathan Page. Nathan, how are we doing today?
1: I am doing great. Let me tell you what, Josh. I will never run out of Ws to print your kit in my <laughs> team store. Um, that's probably my favorite story coming out of Barca these days, uh, but... You know, when you say Man City, enjoyer, That really puts me in a bad spot starting off with anybody listening. Um, You know, when I signed up for this, they were just a little plucky startup with Carlos (laughs) Tevez kicking around the ball. I didn't know that. I didn't know what I was getting into as a young boy, that this was some sort of uh, sports washing oil tyrant conglomerate uh, running a football organization. So everyone, please forgive me, you know, but it is what it is. This is my life now
0: that's fantastic uh well we're here to talk about a little bit of barcelona before we get into the rest of the football world uh barcelona (laughs) and it's like if anyone listening uh scrolls the uh the soccer subreddit there's just a lot of jokes about levers and barcelona pulling them and how they're able to do all of this uh they are set to sell another 15 percent of their tv rights which is the quote second financial lever which will allow them to, uh, you know, register, uh, Andreas Christensen, Frank Kessie, Rafinha, and of course, Bob Lewandowski, uh, and the, the rumor, uh, tr- the rumored transfer of, uh, <laughs> Dave Aspilicueta now, um, do you find this more hilarious or this is just how the big soccer clubs work? They can fall backwards for years and manage to end up on their feet with one of the best attacking lineups in the world. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah what a what a way to fall from grace right to come out of this off season with one of the strongest clubs in Europe uh still um i it's it's a mixture of things for me in some ways it's uh sad um because you don't want to see them as a lot of people have put it selling off the family silver just to field a, a you know a world- class club especially after how last year went when arguably, I th- I was kind of into how they were doing things last year. Was following along, so I was excited about the idea of having you know these these young players. You got Gonzalez and Pedri coming up, and, um, and Gavi kind of uh, breaking through a little bit. You've got these young midfielders who show a lot of promise. You're thinking if when you know Fati's back healthy, this squad is really going to be fun and, and homegrown and really exciting. Um, but then you kind of spend this summer backtracking all of that and focusing again on. Um, you know, how do you, how do we sell off every bit of this club just to have something on the pitch for the next couple of years? It's tough. Uh, but ultimately I find it hilarious. I think it's one of the most interesting uh, sports stories in the world. Um, and I can't believe it d- it doesn't get more press just in like normal U.S. headlines right now, because it's pretty wild to think about one player. Like, imagine instead of Ben Simmons sitting out, he actually plays and the Nets are like, no, we're not paying you $20 million. Oh, we just handed out an extension to KD. Like, I just can't believe that this is happening, you know, like for DeJong to not be getting paid fully and them to just be handing out contracts left and right. And the, my favorite part that you can't make up this, that there's not enough W's for Robert Lewandowski's name on the back of kits in the team store. I mean, they're not out of L's, clearly, uh, because they can get that part done. But the W's, they just can't find enough of them.
0: Oh, that was cute. Um, I think the thing that's just most shocking to me or not most shocking because I think at the beginning of the summer, I thought the Lewandowski thing was going to happen hundred percent. And then about 10 days ago, uh, before I went on my, uh, vacation, I, in the podcast I did, I said, I thought it was like near impossible that Lewandowski wasn't happening. Graffinia wasn't happening. This was all just like more Barca media, you know, Propaganda. The same thing with Holland. Like there was no chance they could sign Holland. Maybe there actually was a chance now. That I'm looking at the numbers they're spending on these players. They've spent more money than Manchester City somehow, and they managed to keep Usman Dembele partially due to the fact of uh, Chelsea getting Raheem Sterling, who they seemed to have preferred over Usman Dembele. Which (sighs) I guess that's a whole another discussion. I kind of get, but at the same time. For the second half of this year when Xavi was at Barcelona and actually deployed Dembele in a way that he should be deployed, he was without a doubt one of the top three or four wingers in the world. And so for Barcelona to bring him back is like a footnote on top of Rafinha and Lewandowski. And then like, they also just have Memphis Depay and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang just like hanging out. Uh, and if they manage to not sell Frankie de Jong and not sell Memphis Depay, like, their, their depth is now not funny anymore like their midfield and their their attack like their midfield doesn't have to be the spur of the attack anymore because they have so many good attacking players and uh this leads me to my next question which is this i think it's this weekend i could be wrong i'm gonna have to get the date uh let me google this real quick there's an el Clasico happening (laughs) in las vegas um let me see when this oh this is tomorrow so this is wow this is okay I was completely wrong. For some reason, I thought this was like a few days out. So this is tomorrow. We're about uh, 26 hours away from an El Clasico in Las Vegas. That's going to feature Robert Lewandowski and Kareem Benzema, most likely. Uh, Of of all the things that have happened in our lifetime, a Clasico happening in Vegas with all of these players is just pretty hilarious.
1: Yeah, I mean, for for how things have gone the last year or so, uh, for... Real Madrid to be in such a weird place and then to like stumble, seemingly stumble, I guess, into winning the Champions League at the end of it all. It's just such a weird thing. And then yeah, you're about to have after just an absolute shellacking of uh, inter Miami by Barça, you're about to have a uh, a really interesting El Clasico out in Vegas. And um it you're featuring basically the two best number nines in the world, right? I mean that you you could argue it's pretty much Benzema and Lewandowski and that's that's it so it's it's going to be fun i mean i I think you're right though that the depth there with barca does stack up with these great teams in europe now where last year it just didn't seem like it was possible it's like ah, what a plucky young team uh you can see that in a couple of years they could really be competing but now with some of those players being moved maybe to uh, reserve roles or rotation roles um and you've, you again, if you can retain some of those players that have been there for a while, I don't know that they even really need to keep Depay around um, with Aubameyang. Um, but I think if they can keep De Jong, that really does strengthen that midfield and give them so many options to distribute to those wingers and and attackers up front. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how they stack up against Real Madrid because you know they again, Madrid just continues to roll along. They haven't shown any signs of slowing down um at least not since their kind of hiccup a couple of years ago so it's it's interesting to to see how that'll play out over the course of course the season and this is a good precursor for
0: that yeah I mean I feel like in my own head I'm under under appreciating like how good Robert Lewandowski still is like i I've, I've thought about him as a future um asset and the fact that he's aging I'm like you know how many years are they going to give him like are they going to be paying this guy in four years kind of thinking of him like an NBA player almost when He's coming off a season where he was, he didn't win the Ballon d'Or, but like universally everyone thought he should have, including the guy who won it. Um, And it's just kind of crazy that he just like wants to come to Barcelona and like they still have this mystique and Xavi, I think, uh, right before they were about to completely lose that mystique, Xavi kind of spurred some of that up, especially with the Classico win and them being able to recover in La Liga. Like the fact that they made top four are going to be in Champions League makes them desirable for people still. And I'm just happy because I thought we were headed towards a place where I was going to be covering this team that was like in the Europa League for the next four years. And I'm not saying, you know, they still don't have the, uh, on paper, I might like their squad better than Real Madrid, but they still haven't proven to me or anybody else that they have the, uh, I guess nobody has the Real Madrid stumble, like you said, backwards into a champions league win, <laughs> like nobody has that, what bar, what Real Madrid did, where it was just like, I mean, I was texting you when they were playing Manchester city, like it literally, and I can't remember your exact words, but it literally felt made up. Like it was like, even the script writers couldn't have come up with something that crazy. And so I don't know that, uh, that testicular fortitude, that Real Madrid have is something that, uh, your club and my club don't really have yet and that's something that you can't really buy with money but that you just the moxie you know
1: yeah because real madrid can point to 100 years of success they can point to how many trophies now in the champions league uh the most in the world by far and they can point to that and just say uh you know we've done we've been there done that people before us have been there done that um it's really hard when you're you know, a new coach like Xavi, even though I think he is the kind of the factor that's really interesting to see play out is the way he bought brought that team together. This is the key with it, right? We've seen big signings by big clubs before Manchester United is the perfect example of how dysfunction can really destroy a great group of signings, or a great group of talent. Um, And with Lua, I mean, he, he is still one of the world's best. It, it is kind of weird that he would take a discount to leave a great situation like Bayern, um, but he appears to be ready for a new challenge. He appears to value the history at Barca and want to be part of it and want to write a new chapter. So you kind of see somebody come in and even if you get two more years of him at this level, you get two more years of somebody who is going to be in the conversation for the Ballon d'Or, going to be in the conversation for one of the best attacking players in the world um, is going to give you goals. And he's going to do more than the Ronaldo. um, Like I'll give you two goals, but I'll give you nothing else. Um, He's going to give you more than that. He does a bit more uh, for the team in general. He's, I think he in general has the right mindset. I mean, after all I did just see Bleacher Report, throw up a video of him doing knuckle pushups on the, on the training ground. Oh, Come on, this guy is ready. I just think the way that- Did you see the dancing video? No, I didn't. I've seen a lot of Robert Lewandowski videos lately. I didn't catch the dancing video. I'm going to find it. Um, I just think that you bring a guy like that in who has the mentality, that's the key to making this all work because you have these young players who kind of rallied and showed something, finished second in La Liga after just the weirdest season. Um, with, With everything swirling around, you need someone to come in who can be that kind of that talisman, the figurehead of the team, rally people, and come alongside Xavi to kind of bring the locker room together because that's that's really going to be what makes this work. And like you said, I agree. Like on paper, you kind of like the depth of this squad against almost anybody in Europe um, aside from maybe the Bayern or Man Cities of the world. And But at the same time, you, with all of the stuff they've gone through, you, you've just got to see it come together. Uh, it's a It's a big task for a second-year coach – uh, you know what a f- his first full year um, that's a lot
0: all right uh, I just put it in chat so uh, for everyone listening they obviously can't see this but uh, I want you to watch this and it, it honestly kind of reminds me of like a dancing move you would do like he, oh, he's just oh chilling gosh. in a polo and black basketball shorts the camera pans over to him this is <laughs> and Abamyang's the one filming this and he's just vibing he out he's just having oh a great time oh my
1: gosh Man, he seems just so happy to be there
0: he's like it. he's he's a different type of mythical figure like then we look at Ronaldo like Ronaldo's like a funny mythical figure like I still find Lewandowski charming for whatever reason and I guess maybe it's like the the fact that Thomas Mueller hadn't turned on him like did you see the what uh what uh our pal Tomas posted with no. uh, Lewandowski leaving he posted the the Scotty Michael Jordan picture where uh jordan i think it's jordan that's leaning on scotty when he's oh, like exhausted after the flu game yeah. and he photoshopped their faces onto the two guys and he's like thanks for all the memories and plus there was the amazon documentary uh that focused on Bayern munich i think during the COVID year and it was like every just little like uh tidbit that you got from lewandowski was just I don't know, there was just something charming about it, especially, you know, he's wearing like the traditional Bavarian garb, you know, drinking drinking beer and all that stuff. And he was just, he's great. Plus he's Polish and I'm a quarter Polish, so I appreciate that. Um, I love
1: that. Well, and the last thought on him, because I think he's the key to all of this. I, I really do. I think it's like you can't understate how important his signing was for this team to rally. Because the other signings were like, oh, good, you're adding some depth. Like Frank Cassie, like it's you're getting some players in who can help solidify the squad. Um, but getting him in, it's it's having a superstar who has always been humble. It's having the Luka Modric, right? Like having that guy who maybe is a little bit older, but someone who is going to be willing to kind of play team football, play, play you know, in the locker room, play with everybody in a way that brings people together. I think that's the absolute key to making this stuff work. So all the stuff you've said, I think, yeah, to see him leave and be welcomed – uh, or, you know, be still loved, uh, beloved figure across the board as he goes out, um, says a lot about him as a player. And that's the difference between him and uh, Ronaldo uh, and even Messi towards the end and kind of the the relationship there with um, the club. You know, it's just kind of I think the him coming in is going to kind of set everything else up uh, for this team going forward.
0: Yeah. And like, I mean, he got really close to burning some goodwill and I think maybe he did burn a little bit of it with the way he left um especially with probably some executives at byron but i don't think it went on long enough for any of us to care um let's talk about your club for a few minutes before we get into some world stuff uh why are they using atlanta united's kits as their away kits can i ask that
1: <laughs> so the red and black is an old is a throwback to like a uh i believe it's like a mid-2000s or early 2010s they had the kind of red and black i, I so they did some of this like striping stuff a couple of years ago as a is an homage to the uh kind of blue collar construction and um you know workforce in Manchester it's an industrial town you know things like that so um but yeah i mean manchester is red for the last 100 years and you're trying to turn it sky blue winning four straight premier leagues you know trying to do all this stuff to to really change that um tone and you go and uh, make your Second kits, red and black. So I don't really get it. I don't understand. I can't explain it. And the yellow in there too. It's literally, it's literally Manchester United. You know, Bournemouth City. You know, what are we doing here?
0: It's not good. Um, <laughs> how, or I guess not even how. I guess just a note. And everyone's probably seen this. Uh, as far as my math is adding up, they sold Gabriel Jesus and Raheem Sterling for more than they paid for Erling Holland and uh julian alvarez is that true
1: i think that's right
0: which is just kind of annoying when you Um, when you
1: think about what they got erling holland for for the prices that were bouncing around two years ago
0: how does that happen because what barcelona paid you guys for Ferran torres i i do that math and then i look at what erling holland costs is this like I just don't understand it. I guess is what well, I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, because
1: back to the conversation about Lua and uh, Benzema, if they're one and two, I mean, Allain is number three. <laughs> like, I, it seems like he's right yeah. there in terms of the best um, number nines, best strikers, best forwards in the world. So, I don't understand it. I mean, maybe it's because he wanted the move. Maybe, um, I mean, yeah. that, this is sort of Dortmund's thing. They they want to do right by their young players. They want to bring them up, sell them off, bring in more, and they want to. They don't want to create ill will they don't want to have a reputation of being a club that holds guys hostage or doesn't allow them to go holland stayed probably a year or two longer than most expected so maybe it was just kind of an understanding between the club we're going to let you go where you want to go we'll take the profit we've sold enough kits (laughs) we've sold enough jerseys uh so get out of here and, and go play for city and uh you know we will see you in the group stages at champions league you know like i don't I, I yeah. don't know if that—that's I mean, the only explanation I could think of. Because otherwise, why, especially a club that's rich enough to pay, you know, basically any price for a guy at that level, uh, why was this price so low? I mean, I forget the exact. Yeah, record, I mean, it's I insane.
0: The economics of the football world have changed, obviously, but like I think about what Barca paid for Dortmund for Usman Dembele, and I think about what City paid for Holland, and I guess you just chalk that up to like one. Barca just got fleeced because everyone knew they had, but everyone knows City has a lot of money. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, I'm going to ask but you a simple question. Raheem Sterling or Jack Grealish?
1: Raheem Sterling every day and twice on Sunday. Like, I, I don't, <laughs> I was literally- but, Okay, here's the thing. On.
0: Pep seems like he would know that though. So why, why does he seem to value Grealish so much?
1: So Grealish to me seems like the uh, classic like financial fair play you know, type of purchase because it because it coming back to the whole pricing price point thing. You know, like who set the price for Grealish? You know, like I know that that was sort of like the release clause to to bring him in, but that's I mean, a hundred million. Uh, I can't remember if it was euros or dollars. Or who pounds, were they bidding you know. against? I don't know who were they bidding against. You know, it was I mean, because I don't think that he was somebody who would fit in at Liverpool. Maybe Chelsea gets in on that conversation, but there's so few teams in England that would want him. And I don't think there's any other clubs in Europe that he could even break into uh, big clubs, you know? So it's a confusing one to me. I think it, it, if anything, I could think that this is a pep thing. Cause if you think about like Leroy Sané um, had an amazing couple of seasons with city and then was out of favor almost immediately um, Sterling broke through in this incredible way, became a world-class player under pep and then was kind of in and out of the squad for two years. So it's just, it's something that pep does where it's like he likes to rotate these wingers these attacking players because he wants to get the most out of his squad and create a competitive environment um but this is one where i'm like why did we let go of sterling who by if he had just had the like actual minutes is probably putting together another two seasons like he did before and is putting himself in the conversation for the best three or four wingers in the world i don't know it's just it's really hard for me to kind of grasp why Jack Grealish is the guy for this club when there's so much other talent that was on it, you know, even even Jesus was starting to put it, some things together on the right side last year that we hadn't seen from him before. So, I mean, like I get selling
0: him. him, I guess, because he wasn't going to want to be a backup. Agreed. He just signed, like, the third best striker in the world, soon to be probably the first unless he gets the city curse on him. And, like, I get that. But, yeah, the, the Grealish thing is, like, I don't know, it's, it feels like he's just going to be back on, like... <laughs> like back at like at Everton or Spurs in two years, and that's fine. Um,
1: it's just like, if you look at literally all the other attacking talent, Foden's, uh, Bernardo Silva, even you put Cancelo in there, like all of these players, Mahrez, all of these players, Jack Grealish is last on the list for me in terms of guys that I want to see out there in a, in a big game. <laughs> it's I disagree.
0: Really... I love seeing Jack Grealish out there in a big game because I know something's <laughs> going to happen. Did you see the fight with him and uh, Ochoa the other day?
1: I did. I did. Two of the most loath players in the world and everybody wanted grealish to get decked
0: yeah I, I was really hoping it was gonna be like worse than it was but uh i don't know i guess like i did gain like a little bit of respect for him in the atletico madrid matchup because like i don't know i guess he didn't completely like he didn't flop when he got his little hair pulled i guess which i i appreciated um he does have like flashes where i'm like Oh, that's why, but they just don't come often enough yet and maybe maybe in a system with an actual traditional number nine, like he'll make more sense. but I feel like Sterling still makes more sense than that I, th-
1: I think that's the thing is that if they're looking at it like we're building everything around Holland, which is a, a bit of a risk if you ask some people just because you're like, okay, well, what happens if Holland goes down? I mean this guy's a cyborg, but what if, what if he does? Um, but it seems like they're building it around him and they want players. Which Jesus doesn't fit in here. Sterling really would do better. Like he he thrived in the false nine uh system because he was just kind of wreaking havoc on the right side and somebody in the middle was creating for him. He can cut in, he can play on the wing. He you know, just he he basically could play on either side and do whatever he needed to do with somebody else creating in the middle for him. Um if we're gonna switch this up, it does make sense to have Foden and guys like Foden, Bernardo. Uh, Mares and um, Grealish creating for someone like Holland, who can just put the ball in the net. I mean, if that's, if that's what we're going for, it seems like the more manufacturing of goals is coming. Uh, but it is a bit of a risk when you think about what Sterling did and to sell them off for relatively cheap. It's kind of like, is he not more valuable than having that money in the bank? Uh, maybe it just kind of got to a point where they needed to pick and choose and they weren't going to let go of any of those other other players um but ultimately that one does hurt a bit I kind of would have been fine we talked about this I think last time I was on I would have been fine if they had never signed Grealish but here we are uh so I, I think that he's in the plans in terms of someone that they expect to create and maybe his skills which are you know creating mismatches in the wide areas getting in getting the ball in maybe that becomes more valuable when you have someone who can actually you know put the foot on the ball in the box
0: all right uh i have two more kind of quick hitting topics we have about eight minutes um let's cover I'm, I'm gonna save the dessert for last and somehow it's not cristiano ronaldo uh let's talk about cristiano ronaldo now uh where is he gonna go if he doesn't want to be at united because nobody seems to
1: can we do a uh, juve reunion tour for everybody just like pogba's back let's bring cristiano back even though everyone there seems to hate him i don't know if he because if you're Real Madrid, do you want to do a Cristiano Ronaldo retirement tour right now? No way. You just won Champions League. I mean, you you have things rolling there, and you have some new signings that are going to really add value. Yeah,
0: you're not going to displace Vinicius for Cristiano. No, Ronaldo. he's
1: coming on. I mean, he's he's the. I mean, he's looking like one of the best young players in the world again. I just yeah, it makes no sense to me to bring him in there. That that's sort of what I was asking myself is, uh, what what is this guy going to do? Is it MLS time, baby?
0: Him and Gareth Bale at LAFC.
1: (laughs) Bale again, just, you know, and I, sorry, we're just going to sidetrack for a second. I know it's supposed to be a quick hitter, but my favorite part about Bale going to LAFC, every interview is about golf. He's not said a word about the actual soccer in America. He's like, I just love the golf culture here. No, because
0: I mean, everyone knows what he's doing. Like he's just there so we can play at the world cup, which is perfectly fine. Like it's acceptable.
1: 100%. so anyways, I think with Ronaldo, I don't see like a clear path to one of the biggest clubs. Um, maybe, you know, I, Bayern, I can't see it there. I mean, it, maybe he goes back to Italy.
0: Well, Bayern already right. said I no mean, thanks. I, I think
1: he goes back to one of the – maybe Italy, he finds a club there that wants him. Um, he didn't seem to love Italy, though. So I, it's like, where is he going to go? Spain? Porto? Like, he's going to go to Portugal somewhere? Um, I don't know. Not, I don't see it right now, frankly
0: my man is hosed he's hosed um all right the uh the dessert uh did you watch the pogumentary
1: no i refused
0: okay cool i, I just wanted to make sure i couldn't tell if you were going to be like kind of give like an anti take be like listen i know it has one star on imdb but it was actually really good <laughs> listen i'm going to zag real quick listen hey i know we all <laughs> want to do this thing where we think that self-made
1: documentaries oh are cool oh my gosh but
0: i mean what did he think was going to happen <laughs>
1: I don't think that he has made a lot of uh, critical thinking decisions the last few years.
0: Um, what a weird career. <laughs>
1: yeah uh, for one of for one of the guys that objectively is one of the best international players, like on the international stage, one of the best players in the history of the world, won a world cup, had should have had such a different club career. And yet there's just nothing memorable about what he's done at the club level at all and it's you know partially you can blame it on man united but i think largely like the decisions he's made along the way has contributed largely to that
0: i don't understand it um that's kind of all i had for you do you have any like soccer things that have hit your mind before we leave
1: no i don't i can't say that i do i'm intrigued by uh your barca and, and what they have going on i think it's it'll be interesting to see I, i'm hoping that these kind of short-term plays turn into something beautiful long-term and uh we'll see uh them and man city battling it out in in the champions league here in a few months
0: yeah for now everybody there's not really much to watch there's preseason there's the women's euros which is cool uh the quarterfinals today between belgium and sweden and then tomorrow is uh i think france and the netherlands i think um So there's that, but other than that, it's just, I mean, this is the worst time of year for American sports fans. The, the track and field world championships is happening right now. Uh, Noah Lyles just won the 200 meter, but nobody, I think people in Europe actually care about track and field more than people in the United States. So maybe listeners will appreciate that that's happening in Eugene, Oregon. Uh, other than that, we got nothing else to talk about. So Nathan, as always appreciate you joining us and we will chat again sometime in the future. Lua.